hello and welcome to episode number 423 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's pack show, American Airlines goes boom. One airport worker wishes he hadn't played tag and two pilots get some shut eye mid-flight. Uh, mid uh, in the military news this week, the US Air Force grounds its Osprey fleet for an issue the Marines have known about for years and the Polish Air Force signs a huge deal with an Asian partner for new fighters. So joining me this week, as always, in a very chilled PTUK studios, and hopefully he's got a fridge full of beer. It's always. Oh, yes, I know. Actually, do you know, I need to... I haven't opened one. I shall put that right in just a moment. Yeah, I've forgotten all about it. Oh, good. I hope it's in the fridge. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I've got, got a couple of uh, toffee apple ciders in the fridge at the moment. Oh, good. I know, right? I know. First bowl problems, eh? How, how have things been with you this week, then, uh, Matt? Because yeah. obviously you've been you've been busy on the radio, busy doing this. Yeah, it's been it. it's been a sort of a, an, an unexpectedly busy week on on the old radio, and it's um, we've had a uh, we've had a few technical problems this week, which have kept me rather busy. So uh, so yeah, so I hadn't had much t time to sort of think about anything else really lately. But I've got a week off next week, and I'm very 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 excited about that. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'm going to Costa del Dirham, which is what not even 30 miles away from where about, we are. About half an hour's drive away. <laughs> yeah, it's about, about 45 minutes, I think, door to door yeah. from here to there. But uh, well, that's I've got where Gemma, Gemma was uh, was brought up. Was it? Yeah. Oh dear. Yes, well, it's near Swanton Morley is where I'm going. Oh, so I'm you're, sort of... you're on you're on Gemma's stomping grounds. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I've got I've got an, an afternoon I've got an afternoon tea uh, on the uh, Mid Norfolk Light Railway, uh, being oh. pulled by a steam train because now it's rained. We're allowed to run the steam trains again. That thank is goodness, so good. Which I'm very excited. So I've got a little afternoon tea. Uh, so I shall finish my show on the Sunday, and then we're literally leaving straight away for a for five days uh, in uh, in. Uh, yeah, in, in Swanson Morley. So there we are. That's that's my week uh, forthcoming in a nutshell. <laughs> and also joining us this week on the show, as always, it's our aficionado of everything BA and seat 1A. Well, maybe not this week. It's Neville Bounds. Yes, it was seat 1 Charlie going up to Edinburgh what? and 2 Foxtrot coming back what i nearly had to ask for my money back however that was not as bad as the full evacuation from the hampton hotel edinburgh airport at 25 past five in the morning what um because somebody had been smoking in their room oh for goodness uh, sake so there's 120 of us in the car park and it's although it wasn't that cold when you when you're transitioning from a nice warm bed to uh. the outside uh, the temperature change is quite a shock, let me tell you. Um, I can so, imagine. Um, yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> um, but uh, no, a, a nice week in Edinburgh. Uh, temperatures were, were quite reasonable. Um, so yeah, a good uh, a good week overall, apart from that slight hiccup. Slight and hiccup. and uh, also, Nev, you, you had a, a, a listener meet-up this week, didn't you, as well? I did, yes. Um, the second time we've met in, uh, in fact, the first time was in Edinburgh, the second time was uh, yesterday in London, and it was our fabulous, fabulous listener, Logan Lynch, who's been spending the week here in the UK, 
and his wife Michelle was there also. She was taking the picture. She didn't want to be in the picture. Um, oh. And uh, could I just say those marks on my shirt are not due to some <laughs> sort of avian issue. Uh, they are the reflections from somewhere else in the building. A just, likely story. Just so yeah. that you know that. Uh, <laughs> a a likely great to see story. Logan again, and they're going back home tomorrow. I hope they have a great trip back. Um, so, uh, yeah, very good. And it was nice to chat aviation and uh, the usual stuff like we like to do with our listeners. Absolutely. Wonderful. Love that. I think that's a reflection from that big diamond necklace that you'd brought to uh, Mrs. Bones. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the default position. Yes, yeah, very good. Well done, everyone. Uh, anyway, this week uh, Armando is uh, he's 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 busy at the minute, but hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll be with us later on in the show. He'll be uh, dialing in, as they say, later on during the show. Uh, so Armando should hopefully be with us, and we've also got military news. So don't panic, Mr. Warner. I know you are in the chat room this week. <laughs> and uh, talking about the chat room, we're going to say thanks to everyone who's joined us this evening. Uh, going to. Uh, going to run through the list here. We've got Richard Adams, who was in really early tonight. Thank you, Richard. He was in it. I think he was in just after six o'clock. Uh, so hello to you, Richard. We have got Lee Davies. Hello to you. Hobby Time. Uh, Mazus. Hello to you, Mazus, our, our dinner guest from a few uh, weeks ago. Mm, absolutely. Uh, we have got Captain Cruz. Hello to you, Captain Cruz. Uh, James Taylor. Hello to you, James. Uh, just scrolling down the list here. ADW, hello to you as well. Jenny in Rome, hope you're having a fantastic uh, time in Rome with all this lovely weather. Jenny, that's very nice here as well. Uh, we've got our main man, Micah. He's looking after the chat room, wielding his blue spanner of doom this week. So thank you to our main man, Micah. Masha, hello to you, Masha. Hope you're well as well uh, across the uh, the water there. And let's make sure I don't miss you. I don't think I missed anyone. I'll say I don't want to go And thanks to everyone for joining us this evening, as always. Don't forget, if you're an audio listener of the show and you want to see what, what we all, what, what this mad craziness don't is. Don't do it. On YouTube. Don't forget to uh, check us out on YouTube. Just search for Plain Talking UK. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell icon to be notified when Matt, is hitting that go live button on his touchscreen in the studio. Don't do it. We are live recording new bits. <laughs> you don't want to know what we look I like. Know. Really, oh, David Corston has just oh, just David, hello. Hello uh, to you, David. He's in, he's in sunny Spain, I think. As, so. as our most famous listener from the 100th episode. Yes, yes, yes he was there. <laughs> yes, hello to you, David. Good to see you in there as well. Oh, and uh, Neville Bounds is obviously in the chat. Heard well. of him? Yeah. Helping Micah out with the blue spanners of doom. Yes, the bots do keep them quite busy, don't they? Yes. I know, I know. I'm looking forward to them later. What the bots? Oh. A bit of bot action. Oh, of and Nick Codling. Nick Codling is also in there. They're all they're all piling in now. Piling all in. That's the family what are piling in. Good, good, good. So we've got loads of news to get through. We've got our caption this as well this week as well. And just a quick note for our two competition winners from last week, um, Grant McCarran and Dirk, wasn't it, Nev, who won uh, the tag mm. yes. uh, last week. I have posted the tags Exciting. off yesterday. So hopefully, Grant, yours will be with you in Australia in probably about three years' time. And Dirk, hopefully yours should be with you in about another what during now about six months hmm. like that with the royal mail as it is yeah <laughs> so they are posted and on their way you know we've so, got some yeah. strikes on the way right 
Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm actually serious. Anyway. Right, so Squawking7700, <laughs> hello to you as well. He's just dropped in as well. Good to see you in there. So like I said, we've got those to get through. Caption this and military news. So, uh, Matt, if you're ready and all the team are ready, let's do some commercial news. Captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. Kicking off this week's first news story comes to us from about four million different news feeds. <laughs> uh, one or two of being newsaa.com, forbes.com, and futuretravelexperience.com. And it's a story that we've talked about so frequently on the show. It's kind of getting boring now, and let's just hurry up and get these things made, honestly. Uh, American Airlines agrees purchase of Boom Supersonic Jets. So, American Airlines. And Boom Supersonic today announced the airline's agreement to purchase up to 20 Overture aircraft with an option for an additional 40. American has paid a non-refundable deposit on the initial 20 aircraft. Under the terms of the agreement, Boom must meet industry standard operating performance and safety requirements as well as American's other customary conditions before delivering any of the overtures. The order book uh, for the overture aircraft stands at 206 options included with Virgin Atlantic, Japan Airlines, United, American, all having negotiated purchase agreements and or options. In July, Boom revealed the final production design of Overture, which is slated to roll out in, are you ready? 2025. Yeah, right. And carry its first passengers by 2029. Now, Nev, I know you've got a, uh, an opinion. Nev might have an opinion on this. On yes. uh, this <laughs> the story because i know you've you, you're so excited well all i'm going to say is if they are uh if it rolls out in 2025 and carries its first passengers by 2029 i will live on air eat my airbus a350 hat <laughs> wow okay you heard it here first and you can put it out there as okay, because you, you, I, I, I warn you now, John will make a note of this. Yes, please uh, <laughs> do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, it, I mean, all, all jokes aside, though, isn't it? I mean, this is the thing. I mean, they're talking about all this, and and for when we were having our little pre-show uh, chat, and that. I mean, they haven't even decided what engine or power unit they're going to use at this stage, have they? I mean, surely uh, we're a long way away from you know this this being, you know, these dates are. Captain Cruz's comment in the chat room is is classic. Well, we'll start with Mike. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. So uh, yes, I think I think the only thing this project will achieve is going out with a boom. That's a good point. What was Micah's one again? Uh, uh, Micah you. said uh, yes. He said I purchased two dozen of them too. It was just as great a chance as I start my own airline as United <laughs> and American will get them. Yes. Well, quite. Yes. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, are we being un? fairly um sceptical though is it you know it's just like i mean we're all so excited about the idea of of you know supersonic jets and you know the new age of concord or whatever you want to sort of like like kind of but i mean as i say i mean it's just very very worried they're they're leaving deciding on the power unit very very late aren't they 
you know, we talk about we talk about the hybrid aircraft a lot, don't we? You know, we've, yeah. we've got we've got some very good friends within the industry. Yeah, uh, as you know, on the show with Neil and that at Faraday, um, but at least they are actually that they're yes. they're doing things. They're, they're, there's things being put together yeah, and yeah, things yeah. doing things. Yeah. Whereas this is just like this is just like a, a press release every month yeah. to say that they're gonna, you know. Uh, squawking seven seven zero zero saying that they might well be they may well have passengers on but they'll be towing it out to the runway rather than actually flying it Richard Adams is saying Basil Brush springs to mind uh, both his catchphrase and the laugh (laughs) and the laugh (laughs) Ah, love it yes I see what you did there Uh, award winning I think that's what we're looking for Nev isn't it (laughs) yeah I mean uh, as um, as so many people have said in the past and uh, neil at faraday at faraday is one of them he says you just have to be sensible with certain things and i think trying to do this in aviation at this particular time um if if it works and it's commercially viable then i will absolutely stand corrected and if it launches and carries passages when they say it's going to. I will be very surprised indeed. Yes. So. You'll be you'll you you'll be eating a hat, literally. We'll have, yeah. to, be, we'll yeah. have to be purchasing Nev a new hat. Yep. Indeed. Okay, very good. I've got a nice naked wines one here if you need Nev, so uh, you know, okay. don't don't, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll move on to the next story then, uh, and it's uh, not story number two. It's a Ryanair story as always. And uh, you probably heard if you if you're living here in the UK, you will have no doubt heard this in the news. Ryanair ups Stansted flights over hopeless. Heathrow passenger cap as uh, so Ryanair will add more than 500 flights serving London Stansted during the October half time a uh, half term even not half time as the airline bosses uh, the airline's boss brands Heathrow hopeless after it extended its cap on passenger numbers. The low-cost operator said that the move will provide capacity for an extra 100,000 travellers at the Essex airport. It follows the decision by Heathrow to continue flight restrictions introduced in July because of staff shortages until the end of October. The limit of 100,000 daily departing passengers has had been due to end on the 11th of September. The airport said without a cap it would not be able to safely and reliably handle its flight schedule. Ryanair insisted that it and Stansted have more than sufficient staff to handle these additional flights. Now I don't know I mean we, we've obviously we've been covering all the hoo-ha at Heathrow for quite some time. Nev obviously you've been caught up in said Heathrow haven't you? I mean a lot of your flights now have moved to uh, City in order for you to sort of do what you mm. need to do for work. Um, I mean, I do feel for for Heathrow in this in in a lot of ways, but surely it's a better thing that they're deciding now to like adjust the schedule to something that they feel is realistic, rather than doing what EasyJet were doing a few months, you know, like you know what sort of like three, four, five months ago, where they were cancelling. You know, people were getting to the airport and then they were cancelling their flights. Well, of course, this is not the airlines that's doing this. This is the airport and management yeah. themselves. So it's Heathrow telling British Airways and the others that they've got uh, a fixed amount of capacity and that's it. Right. So. Um, yeah. Having said all that, it was very smooth um, when I went and came back from Edinburgh this week. Apart from, well, we had a, about a 50-minute flight back from Edinburgh, but then 25 minutes sitting 
just shy of the stand because there was no one around to turn the guidance system on so that was an extra 25 minutes delay sitting there with one engine running um going nowhere and when it's 11 o'clock at night you just want to go home you know um so and that was at heathrow was it not yes that was slightly tedious i have to say yeah, and the wrong end of the day, really, for, for well, stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, as you would expect, obviously, Ryanair use looking at looking at the, you know, any PR from another airline is almost seen as a mm. as fair game as far as they're concerned. I, and I suppose they, I, I don't blame them. But I mean, do you really think they have the capacity to to do they, this at Stansted? Because I mean, presumably Stansted are facing the same challenges that Heathrow are in terms of uh, baggage handlers and, you know, ground crew and stuff like that. They, they can do it, Matt. They've got the aircraft to do it. And bear in mind, they've, they've had a lot of new aircraft delivered over the last few months, Ryanair. Yeah. And so they've, they've definitely got the aircraft to do this, to, to manage the extra flights. Right. Um, Stansted have probably got the capacity to do it with a lot of airlines cutting flights from Stansted. So there's more open slots, more spaces to get aircraft into. The only thing, as we all know, which could put a spanner in the works, is not having enough crew oh, well uh, i i'd see now that that one i i think ryanair are actually are, are good on to be fair aren't they because they are unbelievably one of the few airlines that didn't lay off millions and millions of you know they didn't lay off most of their crew they actually did you know keep them on furlough and all that kind of thing but i, I my my concern is uh is the amount of pressure that it will put on uh well yes true <laughs> Sorry, I've just seen Captain Cruz's comments. So Ryanair passengers don't travel with suitcases, so they're they're much easier to handle, and that's yeah, that's actually that's actually a really good point, isn't it? Um, but my my concern is at the moment is I mean, if anybody has flown through Stansted's um, passport control recently, going out especially, um, I mean that is the only place I can see as a major problem. Because it's quite the bottleneck there, and they quite often don't have enough. You know, ha- ha- has Border Force got enough people to be able to cope with those extra yeah. flights last year? Yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you do you think Stansted is up for the challenge, Nev? Well, I don't know enough about Stansted's infrastructure, really, but obviously Border Force and all, all these people are common at uh, at every airport and, and port in the country. So um, I think we'll find the answer to this question in several weeks' time, whether we have a smooth situation or <laughs> yeah. whether it turns out to be a bit of a car crash. I very much want to be proved wrong, but I fear it may be the latter, personally. No. The next story we've got for Mr. Bounds. And uh, if you cast your minds back a few weeks ago, we were talking on the show about uh, these air tags, Apple air tags. And Nev, you are a user of these air tags. I know you are. And uh, this story has uh, proved quite a. Well, yeah. Yeah, this is a very interesting uh, story. Uh, it says that AirTag leads to arrest of airline worker accused of stealing at least $15,000 worth of items from luggage. Uh, Giovanni DeLuca, 19, was charged with two counts of grand theft after authorities recovered the stolen item from his home, the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office said in a news release last week. Authorities said that a traveller reported last month that her luggage never made it to her destination. The items inside were worth about 
<clears throat> excuse me, $1,600. She said that an uh, Apple AirTag had been in her luggage and showed that it was on Cathy Court, about 50 miles east of Pensacola. On August the 9th, another traveller reported that more than $15,000 worth of jewellery and other items had been taken from his luggage. Okaloosa's uh, county sheriff uh, deputies investigating both suspected thefts cross-referenced Destin Fort Walton Beach Airport employees who lived near Cathy Court and found DeLuca at his home. He was arrested on August the 10th. Uh, the items reported missing on August the 9th were recovered and DeLuca admitted to rummaging through someone else's luggage and removing an Apple AirTag, the sheriff's office said. The woman's luggage has not been found. Uh, just a bit of background info. As of May of this year, 237,828 items of luggage had been reported mishandled compared with 1,000 sorry, 132,071 bags during the same period last year, according to the Transportation Department. Uh, so this is quite interesting, isn't it, now? Because uh, the, the Apple AirTag and others that are available uh, can be quite useful in pinpointing where people are. Although it's interesting that, that, that they did remove it, if you saw yes. what I mean. That, that, that yes. I find quite interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, sort, of, sort of knowing it's there, I suppose, is, mm. is the challenge. I mean, Richard Adams makes a very, very valid point. Who the hell travels with 15 grand's worth of jewellery in their suitcase? Very good point. I mean, Richard says, amaze someone with that amount of money doesn't fly private. I mean, that, that, is, a good, that is a good shout, actually. <laughs> Wow, and that, that is a good point, actually, isn't it? It's just like, I mean, you'd have thought that kind of of value would be perhaps kept on your person rather than through oh, yeah. through you know the, the the baggage system, especially given as Nev can testify how easily bags go missing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I'm sure this won't be the first time or last time we hear. Uh, of these uh, air tags leading to someone getting their um comeuppance yes comeuppance yes <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> felt. yes indeed yeah so uh, i think i might in i might invest in a in a in an air tag even though i don't have a apple items I, I don't i don't think it has to be you don't have to have an apple device to to make it work no right. yeah they're very expensive now uh not especially um they do them in packs of 2 or 3 or 4 um I can't really can't remember how much I paid for ours, um, well, but yeah, on on Amazon, not very not very expensive, and you just uh, link it up with your. In fact, I think the Apple AirTags. I think you do need an iOS device. I think I'm right in saying. Okay, right. Uh, if you're using the other platform, which we obviously don't talk about, <laughs> uh, then there are, are other devices available for those as well. Of course, indeed. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, moving on to the next story. And uh, this is coming to us from Flight Global. And uh, US regional airline Tailwind. That's an interesting name for an airline, isn't it? Tailwind. Indeed. And uh, we do have uh, Armando is uh, on tape. He has recorded this for us. So we can, oh, uh, we, can, we can play that out to you now. Let's have a little listen. This story is from flightglobal.com. A U.S. float plane carrier, Tailwind Air, plans next month to launch flights between New York Harbor and the Washington, D.C. area. The new flight will connect New York's Skyport seaplane terminal 
on the East River to College Park Airport in Maryland, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., according to the airline's website. Mm -hmm. The route is expected to launch on the 13th of September. A tailwind operates a fleet of amphibious Cessna Grand Caravan EX turboprops. This uh, New York to College Park flight will take 80 to 90 minutes, and the airline will operate the route up to twice daily, according to website sources. Now, this is interesting for me that uh, there's already some essential air service between Washington, D.C. area and some of the New York airports to some of the outlier airports, but to try to serve Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and the New York City metropolitan area directly is a new venture, and doing it with seaplanes is probably going to reduce that commute time. I know I've been to the New York area plenty of times, and not having to go to LaGuardia or JFK or Newark and just catch basically your ride from Manhattan on the East River and get right to Washington, D.C. is actually going to attract some uh, some business travelers, I'm sure. This is going to be interesting. The caravan you know, has a long history of being a passenger service aircraft, and it's been proven that it's well suited to do so. There are some limitations, though. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how a caravan float plane that isn't pressurized uh, and has these big floats hanging off of it uh, operates in the winter time in in New York City. Um, not only the water temperatures and potential ice, but also the icing capabilities of these airplanes, I do believe, are limited. But either way, uh, it's new, it's innovative, and let's see how this turns out. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It, it does sound fascinating, doesn't it? One of my one of my favourite flights I had was on a seaplane. Honestly, oh really? One of, best, one of the best flight experiences I've ever had was on a seaplane. How come? I mean, what what so, was it that that, that sort of t- sort of ticked all the boxes? The well, water, well, well, yeah, being on water was one of them. <laughs> right. But the, the fact that the uh, both the pilots were flying in bare feet was quite ex- quite interesting. Oh. <laughs> different. Yeah, it's it's different. No, De Havilland um, Sea Otter that was Twin Otter. Mm. Yeah, but uh, no, Mondo's put some thoughts in, and uh, he's saying here that a metropolitan area to metropolitan area is possibly going to reduce travel times, uh, business passengers' possibility flying on here. So, there could possibly be a, a kind of uh, avenue for business passengers to use this as a, as a kind of um, you know, a, a quick way of getting from yeah. A to B. Um, but he also does not point out the limited capabilities of the caravan as well. Obviously, you are limited um, quite heavily by weather. Obviously, you can't land on a on rough water. It would right. um, set things quite badly. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a good idea. I don't think it would work too well here in the UK. Not with um, well, the inland waters it might do, but not mm. definitely not the uh, North Sea. True, true. It's um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting cos- concept, definitely. And because the one, the one thing that the Americans are very good at is they do love their flying, don't they? I mean, it's you know they tend to on land, them. on the sea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not not fussy. <laughs> not fussy. Not fussy. No, indeed. Uh, next story is from aviationsourcenews.com. Uh, it's good news for Australia because Qantas are to open a new crew training centre in Sydney. So Australian flag carrier Qantas will open a new purpose-built flight training centre in Sydney to accommodate the flight crew needs for its proposed future fleet as well as its current line aircraft. The new multi-million dollar facility is proposed for St Peter's near Sydney Airport and will provide training for up to 4,500 new and current Qantas and 
Jetstar pilots and cabin crew each year from early 2024. The proposed centre will house up to eight full motion flight training simulators, which will cover training for the new A350 and A320 family aircraft ordered by Qantas as part of their Project Sunrise initiative. The facility will also cover simulator and ground training for Qantas and Jetstar domestic aircrew renewals and will be equipped with fixed flight training devices, emergency procedure equipment with aircraft cabin mock-ups and classroom and training facilities. Now, why can't I have one of these here at home? <laughs> I, think I thought you already had. I guess, <laughs> I guess like you're pushing your luck already, I think, personally, but there we go. <laughs> if you say so, it's, so, it's, 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 these, these kind of things obviously are they're very much needed and obviously with Qantas in in pl- investing in new aircraft, Matt's just popping up a picture on the screen mm-hmm. for those of you watching on YouTube. Well, um, you know, this is this is something that needs to happen. Training needs to happen. You need simulators and you need the cabin mock-ups, especially to um, to put this training into good use. So, yeah, it's so good it news. Nev, you've got the next story, and it's uh, what well, it's it's good news for BA staff. Yes, uh, actually about time, I think, too. It's on the Euronews.com and theguardian.com. And it says that around 16,000 British Airways staff will receive a pay rise of, on average, 13% by the end of the year. The workers, including cabin crew, baggage handlers and engineers, will see their pay return to pre-pandemic levels. Unite Union said it came after tough negotiations with the airline following threats of industrial action involving check-in staff earlier this summer. In June, hundreds of check-in and ground staff at Heathrow voted to go on strike over pay. A total of 700 workers from BA were planning to walk out as the busy holiday season began, but the action was called off after a deal was made for a pay rise. The strike action was initially called into play to see a reinstatement of the 10% decrease in pay that workers had seen due to the pandemic and BA claimed that it was disappointed as they had offered a one-off 10% bonus to staff. Unions pointed out that pay of BA bosses had returned to pre-pandemic levels and argued to permanently reduce the pandemic cuts. The new pay agreement, broken up into several parts, with workers due to receive a lump sum worth 5% of their wages in August. Staff will then receive a consolidated 5% pay rise in September and a further 3% consolidated increase in December of this year. Um, so I think that's a good thing and I think they had to come to some kind of agreement because with all the stuff that's going on, uh, further industrial action is not what is needed at the moment and I think that the fact that they've been able to negotiate something with the union has been uh, a very good thing. Um, and you could say this was uh, long overdue as well actually. So. Yeah, as you say, and I think in an industry that's already struggling like mad as it is at the moment in terms of, um, like, you know, delays at Heathrow and all that kind of thing, as you say, to, I, 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 I think uh, a strike being involved in that as well would have been so damaging. Mm, so yeah. damaging. And I, I'm glad somebody came, came to their senses, basically, on this one. Well, also, the other thing is that apart from that, I mean, they've obviously taken, taken a hit anyway on their salary. But uh, it, although this, I don't think this 
negotiation included the flight deck crew, but the flight deck crew have already taken a big hit on pensions mm. um, a long time ago um, in order to help the airline through difficult phases. So you know yeah. they, they, they've leaned, they've lent they've on the, uh, bit, the staff a, a lot. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, so we'll move on we to. We don't need any more strikes, that's for sure. No, yeah. no, we could do without some train ones at the moment. As if yeah, somebody yeah. could sort of get that sorted, that would be lovely. Now, uh, Matt, your story next. I'm hoping that you'll stay stay awake to read this story. Oh right, okay, yes, I'll, I'll certainly do my best. Uh, so it, the current sources are from One Mile at a Time uh, and Sam Chewy and uh, the Av Herald as well. Uh, John has put in the notes. He said I was going to use the BBC and Aerotime.Aero as potential sources, but then they quoted. Um, Alex Makarekis, so it was very much a hard pass on not including those as sources. Uh, <laughs> just think, oh, for goodness sake, when will they learn? Uh, so, uh, yes, as I say, One Mile at a Time and Sam Chewy and Av Herald. The Aviation Herald reports on an incident that happened on Monday, the August the 15th, 2022. An Ethiopian Airlines Boeing 737-800 registration ETAOB uh, performing flight Echo Tango 343 from um, from the Sudan to Addis Ababa uh, in Ethiopia was en route at 37,000 feet when the pilots fell asleep. The aircraft continued past the top of descent, maintaining 37,000 feet and continued along the FMC, that's the Flight Management Computer's route, set up for an approach to runway 25 left without descending. ATC tried to contact the crew numerous times without success. After overflying runway 25 left at 37,000 feet, the autopilot disconnected. The disconnect whaler woke the crew up, who then manoeuvred the aircraft for a safe landing on runway 25 left about 25 minutes after overflying the runway at 37,000 feet. Um, I mean... I mean, should we shouldn't laugh because it's, it's blooming bad. It is. It's not great, is it? I mean, let me just pop the. the so uh, John's very kindly provided us some some pictures or a picture here, sorry, of the actual route. So it's just like after the pilots uh, woke up, they ended up performing another approach and touched down on runway two five left around twenty five minutes later. On the screen, you can see a visualization of the approach from flight radar twenty four, with the purple being the initial approach. <laughs> at 37,000 feet, and then the turquoise line being the second approach where the plane actually landed. I mean... I, I have some questions. Okay, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> I can't promise uh, we'll be able to answer them, but we'll give No, I think I'm hoping Andy from uh, the A320 show might be in the uh, chat room still, because uh, he's familiar with the operation of the 737. Is it not the case on the 737 that if there is no crew interaction with... The, the flight management computer or the autopilot or the or the the main panel for a certain amount of time that there's an oral warning and also shouldn't the cabin crew be checking on the flight crew every so often uh, as part of their procedure i'm sure it's standard operating procedure in a lot of airlines that the cabin crew uh, if they've not heard from the flight deck crew for whatever amount of time it is, um, then they should check on them to make sure that uh, everything is as it should be. 
So I don't know the, the answer to either of those questions, but uh, I'm hoping Andy or somebody that's familiar with the 7.3. So, um, you're, so you're saying, like, for example, in terms of the, the crew, that somebody should have probably checked checked on them in that time is that what you're sort of I, I would have thought so i don't know how long the it was i mean presumably but they were going for you know half an hour or so yeah without any interaction um indeed and you'd have thought like one of the crew might have noticed that they weren't where they were supposed to be because uh <laughs> you know i mean it, it, based on um i mean there's only one cabin crew member i know very very well and that that particular cabin crew member is very good at spotting large parts of virtually every country that they're flying over and mm. able to think oh hang on a minute we seem to have gone past a certain point that I would, yeah but you when know. you're five miles up in the air and you're you know if and if there's you know some visibility challenges then true, you're not going to see true, where true, you are true. anyway uh, but uh, but no yeah. there, there, there's i'm sure in the report it when it comes out it all will be revealed but yeah. there's uh, there's some stuff going on there that's uh, that doesn't strike me as being normal at all and then i think I guess you've got you've, you've got to feel sorry for the poor guy who was who was plane spotting at that airport <laughs> on that day, and he thought, oh, there's this um, this seven three eight hundred coming in, um, you know, Echo Tango Alpha Oscar Bravo. I haven't got a picture of this one. Oh, it's now doing. Here it comes. Um, I, I'm going to need a bigger lens. It's <laughs> still at thirty seven thousand. Yeah, Indeed. even Jonathan Warner would struggle with that one. Well, quite. I think uh, <laughs> yes, even with his massive lens. That's what uh, she said. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, a bit of a fail, then, I think, from this particular crew. And uh, yeah, yeah, we we must make sure we follow this up, actually, because I'd be intrigued to know what the what the report is on, on this one. I don't know how everybody else feels, but uh, um, as you say, like with it with the crews and stuff, like I mean, perhaps perhaps it's an Airbus thing, never not not a not a Boeing thing. Where well, no, I, I'm I'm sure that uh, there, there's. There's definitely oh, uh, <laughs> some protocol somewhere which says that the cabin crew must check on the See, condition of the flight crew. This is why I love our, our, our chat room. This is brilliant. Thank you, Captain Cruz. Love that. What landmarks are you thinking about in the desert, Matt? It's a, that's a very good point. I, yeah. will, I will give you that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like Richard Adams' one because obviously Richard Adams, being a private pilot, says that that's some overhead join. That, that is <laughs> one heck of an overhead join that is yeah quite <laughs> indeed yes lovely thanks captain Cruz. really appreciate that uh yes I, i'm the first to admit that i'm not the sharpest tool <laughs> in the shed when it comes to anything uh to do with uh, uh aviation flying and or oh. the above i am however very good at pressing the buttons that is that is, is my job that is my he job is blinking good at pressing <laughs> buttons there's no two ways about it indeed anyway please dig so, me out of this this color we've, uh, we've got another yeah. story uh, for <laughs> you, you from armando <laughs> Uh, this one is coming to us from bbc.com and this is all about an aircraft that that i can actually say that i've been on board and and spent a lot of time next to with a camera unfortunately i don't have an audio file for that one um so uh i'll read that one so this this is all about um this is all about the handley uh well the dart herald from handley page uh the campaign to rescue a decaying dart herald airliner from a field cannot believe this is in the field now uh the handley page dart herald spent nearly a decade on display uh, at Gatwick's South Terminal before being moved to a field at the airport's perimeter. And I was there as a child. I can't believe this. There, the picture that's on the screen. 
my word, that brings back some really good memories. Uh, expansion plans mean the land is now needed and campaigners need to find £60,000 to dismantle and relocate the aircraft. Uh, of the four surviving complete heralds, this is the only example not to have been restored, experts say. The aircraft, one of only 50 built, has not flown since 1994 and was on display until 2003 before being moved to its current location. The chap in the picture... Uh, which Matt popped up on the screen, is retired Herald pilot Clive Greveson. And he's currently driving the effort to save it from the scrap heap. Honestly, this this was up on the uh, viewing gallery. Mm. Do you know, I didn't realise that there was only 50 of these aircraft ever built. Oh, really? I just assumed it was more than that. Gosh. I must admit, wait, when you look at when you look at this one here, so this is the picture that Car got Carlos all excited about here, oh. where it's on the viewing gallery and you've got the little steps, you can go and have a nosy round and all that kind of thing. And then you go to present day, look. Uh, I mean, it, it breaks my it heart to see it in terrible. such a state, doesn't it? You know, where it's all green and mossy and, oh, it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Never mind, day. There we go. Yeah, it, the trouble is it, it, it takes... You know, it, it does take a lot of money to to dismantle properly yeah. and move properly these aircraft to to somewhere. But you know, this is a case that we had a few months or a few years back with the VC10 and the TriStars at Bruntonthorpe. You've got museums around the UK that that have the potential and the space to to home one of these aircraft, but no one's got any interest. No. And uh, Stuart Aslett's saying there, goodness, I remember that being on display at Gatwick Village viewing area, as does Carlos, to be fair. So very yeah. fond memories of, of it. Well, I mean, it's just, just such a shame. I hope I hope they can pull it off. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I, I do as well. I do, definitely. We can't keep scrapping everything from our history, otherwise there'll be nothing left to show the kids. No, quite. So, That's Nev, it. you've got... Uh, well, we can't go a show without mentioning a food story. Well, no, but I, I do think that John has taken leave of his senses with this story uh -oh. because clearly <laughs> it's, it's, a sh it's a poor week for aviation stories. So let's give Nev a food story with some unpronounceable names. Oh, I, I, it. It, it is your turn, Nev, though, it has to be said, because <laughs> Carlos and I have both been punished. <laughs> Here we go. On the trendhunter.com website, uh, it says Zippe's in-flight meals made with cricket powder. Uh, affordable Japanese airline Zipair is introducing in-flight meals that are rich in protein and useful for reducing waste and this is possible since they are made with edible insects. Uh, these new in-flight meals are being introduced in partnership with Grillus and there are burgers and pasta meals that are made with Grillus powder. Uh, while the chilli burger topped with tomato includes grillus powder in the buns, patty and the spicy flavoured tomato sauce, the pasta pescatori serves soft shell shrimp and other seafood with a tomato based sauce with grillus powder. So far so good. <laughs> uh, grillus bimaticulus is a species of cricket and when it is powdered and cooked into food, it is said to provide umami flavour and what in-flight catering chef Keita Masuda describes as a shrimpy taste and <laughs> nutty aroma. Wow. I'm just checking it's not April the 1st. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I mean, it looks good, to be fair, Nev. I can't find the words. No, <laughs> when I'm, first sure, I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure when I first lovely. saw this story in the show notes, I thought, is it something to do with the powder they use on the balls at cricket when they're playing cricket? But no, oh. it's actually... No, actual cricket. Yeah. Cricket, as yeah. In, as in the, the insect, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it look, does look delicious. I will, I will give them that. I, I, I mean, I'd try one. <laughs> oh, was I mean... It's barely, it's barely a blooming mouthful there. You're, you're well, one, two, true. four, four chunky fries, a burger that looks like it's one of those mini ones you get at a party, and some hideous green thing which Gemma loves and I can't stand, called uh, you know the uh, the, the, um, the fake cucumber, whatever you call the, it, the courgette. You mean courgette? Yes, that's yes, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Neil Lamborn says say shell say cells shoft. <laughs> Oh, I can't even say. Cells, <laughs> soft shell, shrimp, fast Nev. After a few beers, Try, I, can't I, even say it. I can't. I can't even say. Come it on, Nev. Come on, say yeah. it, Nev. No, I'm not going to do it because I'll muck it up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're not going. There. Not going. Not going down that comedy cul-de-sac. Uh, never mind. Okay. Yes, you win. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to try either. Okay. Oh. Um, uh, moving on, next story and all that. Uh, this one comes to us from thepointsguys.com. God, John, he's probably laughing his head off. Yeah. And uh, comes to us as well from a website called bestrestroom.com. Okay. Uh, this one is two airport restrooms in the running to take the throne of America's best restroom. My word, where did John grab these stories as well? <laughs> Considering I put at least 15 into the show prep this week from to choose from. I know, but they were all a bit samey, mate. That's the trouble. Oh, there were some good ones in there. <laughs> no, there weren't. Uh, with travel back on the table, the challenge of finding a clean public restroom or toilet, as we call them here in the UK, is back on the list of things travellers worry about when they're in airports, restaurants, museums, parks, highways and attractions. And for 20 years, the Sintas-sponsored America's Best Restroom Contest has put the most innovative and hygienic public restrooms on a throne. This year, we are pleased to see newly upgraded restrooms at two airports among the ten finalists. An all-gender restroom suite at Newark Liberty International Airport, or EWR, and the colourful new locally-themed restrooms at Tampa International Airport, or TPA. Nev's going to get himself a drink. He's that upset by it all. <laughs> uh, at Newark Liberty International Airport, the challenge was how to expand restroom capacity in a cramped 1970s-era terminal uh, departure to our lounge. Uh, an all-gender restroom the first for any port authority of New York and Jersey facility was the answer. It was also the first of its kind at major New York, uh, US. I'm trying to read Micah's comment now and it's putting me right off. Uh, the new restroom configuration. <laughs> he, new he, says restroom... I, he says, I've got a really pissy attitude from this story. That's what he says. <laughs> oh, off. Oh. Anyway, the new... <laughs> The new restroom configuration offers privacy for all users while expanding the number of users who can be accommodated. There are also areas where travelling companions can wait, where passengers can reorganise. Okay. There's also um, imagery integrated into the architectural glass and tile design to establish a sense of place. Squawk7700 says he doesn't give a crap about this story. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> 
Neil Lamward says, "Don't take the Mickey, or don't, yeah, don't take the." Uh, they've got they've got some strong. They've got some some some. They've, they've got to get a strong stream. Oh, I can't yeah. talk. Today. How's, our, how's our stream, Matt? Is yeah. our stream good? Yeah, yeah, stream's good so far. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, this is the second time Tampa International Airport has made uh, been made a finalist in the America's Best Restroom Contest. In 2013, Tampa made the cut for 20 renovated restrooms in the main terminal. This time, Tampa is being recognised for the newly reconstructed Airside C restrooms. Honestly, if any of our listeners in America have get the, got the chance to use these fantastic restrooms, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Richard Adams says, I think powder room is another euphemism, uh, though some probably have uh, some amounts of the Colombian variety. <laughs> now, Sintas invites the public to help choose this year's winner. Voting is open through to the end of August, Ooh. and uh, you can visit bestrestroom.com. We're going to crash their website, I think, oh, the amount man, of people yeah. who are going to go straight to... And also, the winner, the winner, not tardy, this one, the winner will get two and a half grand, or two and a half thousand dollars, in facility services and restroom bragging rights. I'm not even sure what that is. Normal. <laughs> All very worrying. Can I go back to the other story for for a moment? Of course, is, is that is that okay? Uh, now uh, you know we were talking about uh, crickets and stuff like that. Now, Mister Warner has oh. Mister Warner has been in touch uh, uh, to sort of say uh, he's actually tried crickets uh, on his food and he liked it so much. Uh, this is what he does with it. <laughs> there you go. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what he does with crickets. Anyone with a fear of yes, science. absolutely. That's why. That's why I'm not describing it. So if, yes. you, if you're watching on YouTube, then you'll you'll see what it was. Anybody else? Uh, ignorance is bliss on that one. Now I have, I have to ask this question. We have to ask this question. Me and Matt have to ask this question to Mr. Bounds, as he is our world traveller or European traveller. Which airport, in your view, Nev, has the best toilets? Um, or restrooms. That's a good question. I was very impressed with uh, Changi Airport at Singapore oh, uh, yeah. many years ago, and also um, Melbourne, Australia. Uh, that was also a good uh, experience. Uh, there are others, though, which I'm not going to mention, which I was less impressed with. Um, but um, yeah, I, I um, well, it all depends, of course, how well they're maintained shall we say yes that that is half the battle isn't it it's uh i i'm a bit i'm very fussy about toilets actually believe it or not and one of the things is slightly off topic but whenever i used to go to a restaurant for the first time the first thing i would always do is i i would always go and check the condition of the toilets before i ate in a restaurant now you Mm. might think i've lost the plot by saying that but i my, my argument was always that if a manager made sure that the toilets were in good condition they would almost certainly apply that same logic to the condition of the kitchens and be very fussy about how good they are do you remember those um push button thingies you used to see i think they still have in the airports you know the the red amber and green how you're oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. of of the facilities I don't know if they still um, use them yeah. in the airport. A lot of the, a lot of these sort of like, uh, I mean, we have them at work where they're the contactless, um, like taps and things like that. I think they're a really good idea. Oh, hello, <laughs> Neil Lamborn makes a wonderful comment in the chat room. I love this one. Well done, Neil. Uh, Neil says Luton Airport toilets are nice because for a while 
You don't have to look at Luton. <laughs> Honestly, Neil. I think he does have a point. Neil's never going to be allowed into Luton Airport no, ever again. No, he, he does definitely have a point, though, I think. He's, he's blacklisted now on the he Luton did. Airport anyway. list. I think we're. I think. Uh, I think it's enough. I think it's time now to no longer talk about toilets. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to uh, something else, uh, and we're going to hand things over to Nev. To yes, we're going to get back to aviation. Remember that? Oh, right. Oh, how nice. <laughs> <clears throat> well, this is the first of a three-part interview uh, that Carlos uh, did with. Patrick and Linda Walker when we were at Seething at the start of July. Um, this is a fascinating uh, story. Um, the, the couple's adventure started in 1991. Patrick was working as a pilot for British Airways and the pair of them spent £500 on an instruction manual on how to build an aircraft by the NASA engineer Bert Rutan thinking it would take them four years to complete. Well, how wrong they were. They, the process was to take much, much longer than that. Uh, the engine was procured in New York, whilst the couple scoured the US for the parts that were difficult to source, bringing them back in their luggage. Uh, Patrick says, I lost count a long time ago how many hours I spent on it. I can't even guess. Uh, I could, the same for the money, I could have easily brought a commercially made aeroplane for the amount it cost. And in fact, the couple had to expand their garage halfway through, but uh, without it even being fully built. Uh, the Long Easy aircraft is only 16 feet 7 inches long, and it was finally completed in 2007. Well, let's go over to Seething now with Carlos as he speaks with Patrick and Linda to continue this amazing story. So you join me at the seething flying day here and uh, the weather is fantastic, a bit breezy, but uh, we've been very lucky indeed uh, to be joined by Patrick and Linda. Now, Patrick and Linda, you've, uh, you've come here today with uh, uh, quite the aircraft, I think, haven't you? Well, thank you very much. Our Long Easy is, uh, it's been well-travelled. It's a well-travelled aeroplane. Yeah, it's got quite... So I was reading up uh, all about your trip and your journey you've done. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, a bit about yourselves first. We'll start ladies first, obviously. Kind of Linda, <laughs> a bit about yourself. Um, my background is in business management. Um, I worked for a management uh, consultancy for almost 30 years. I was only going to stay five years and ended up by staying almost 30. Um, loved it. So it, it, it actually gave me quite a lot of um, flexibility on, on how to manage projects and um, which we've needed for our trips. It's been useful. And you, obviously we spoke a bit earlier about, because uh, you, you, you don't fly yourself, but, Correct. but you obviously must enjoy aviation and flying to uh, sit behind Patrick here. Yes, and, and he's been, we've been to so many interesting places, I was not going to let him go on his own. <laughs> I wasn't going to miss out so even though there was a certain amount of trepidation to begin with um, I've got used to it and once you get going you just relax into it and there's so much going on and people you meet um, so yes you just go go with it but I wasn't going to let him go on his own. <laughs> What's it like being the uh, co-pilot of, uh, of the, the, the Yeezy? It's very easy, really. <laughs> I just, just sit there and look out, take notes, uh, check the fuel every hour. So we're, we're quite um, religious on, on, on checking, checking that, sure. um, keeping an eye on things um, and, and just being his conscience. And running checklists? No, no, he does most you of the checklists. <laughs> so, 
So um, have you actually had a chance? I know obviously you don't you don't fly yourself. You're not a pilot, no. but have you had a chance? Because obviously you've got the controls in the back to be able to to control the aircraft. I have never tried. <gasps> <laughs> Is, is that because you won't let a Patrick or is that... No, I'm not. scared of doing something wrong. It, it, it's easier for both of us if we don't. I know to keep my hand away from the controls because it, it can cause, a, cause an issue. But that's not to say that you haven't on occasions actually taken the control. Oh, I've, I've just I've, held steady. Yes, I've just held steady. If I was folding but, a chart or anything. Yes, yeah. Just oh, holds it in. If the autopilot wasn't working for whatever reason. <laughs> An so, excellent co-pilot. Yes, yes. Very good. But the conscience is the, the main thing. If I don't like the weather, we don't go. <laughs> and on and on those long journeys that you do, obviously you, you're in the back there. You, you've got, you know, you've got. Um, obviously, you can't watch Netflix or no, or anything. No, no. <laughs> but there's the scenery. Yes. The, the scenery. Yeah. I mean, what you see from above is is just incredible. So the the trips go really quickly. Because there's always something going on, and we're chatting yeah. away, and we um, we had a music. We thought we'd, we'd play music on on our on our trips, and I don't. We put it on the first time, and we've never put it on again. So we don't take it with us now because oh. it's another piece of equipment to look after. It's another charger, and because we're weight limited, yeah, we have to be um, quite ruthless in in what we take and what we don't take. So it's, it's, there's no makeup there's no you know niceties it's it's all just basic stuff so you can't put your welly boots in there in case no, stuff gets no. well. flip-flops <laughs> flip-flops yeah this is pretty much uniform cool. yeah yeah it's uniform Excellent. so we we had shirts with our um, registration on because it it just made it look a little more um professional so patrick on to you. So where did things, obviously you've, you've, you have got an aviation background, where did uh, things start for you? My best friend at school, his father had flown during the war and he decided to, to buy an aeroplane. He bought a Miles Gemini 1A and I managed to persuade my parents to let me fly in it. He'd offered to take me up. And once I went up, I was hooked and, and I was 10 years old. And, and after that, we flew in this Miles Gemini on the holidays, we came to, to Norfolk. We went to Potter Hyam and, and went on the broads, but we flew there. We used to fly every weekend in this, and once I... Unfortunately, the aeroplane had an accident and it, it stopped flying, but then I was joined the cadets. Went through the cadets, got a flying scholarship, which was really great, and then applied to the Air Force and applied to go to the British Airways College of Air Training at Hamble, and decided to go civilian flying rather than Royal Air Force and went to college for two years and then joined BA eventually in 1978 after the oil crisis and uh, spent 31 happy years flying with BA, which was great fun. Nev would be very happy indeed to hear that you fly for BA because he is uh, well, obviously think. our BA person. <laughs> but uh, what, what did you fly for BA? I started on the 748, Hawker Siddeley 748, as it was then, British Aerospace 748, up in Scotland, flying the highlands and the islands in, in dreadful weather, 70-mile-an-hour fog, which, for a southerner, you, you've never seen. And from eight and a half years on that, I went down to Gatwick and flew the 737 uh, on British Air Tours, which was holiday destinations in the Med, basically. And after that, it was uh, onto the DC-10, 
which I was fortunate to fly out of Gatwick as a co-pilot and then I got my command on it. And then 10 years I spent as a captain on the 777, retiring 13 years ago now. It just seems like yesterday, but 13 years ago I retired. I have to say, do, do, you, do you miss it? I miss some of the destinations we used to go to. New destinations were always fun. The, the flying was, was fun. I don't miss the politics. It's what we hear a lot, actually, about uh, the people who retire from the airlines. Is one of the things they do. They love the destinations, but yeah, yeah the politics. And the aeroplane was great to fly. The the triple seven is an amazing aeroplane, and I think maybe I might have gone on the seven eight, seven eight seven, which is an even better aeroplane. I think. Uh, yeah, it would have been fun, but we we have this, and and this is the substitute. Yes, I've got a piece of uh, Zulu 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 uh, Charlie on my wall at home. Did you really? Actual window section, yeah. I'd probably flown that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where that window piece was <laughs> Yes, I, it's, uh, it, it does make for a nice office piece, trust me. It really yeah, does. Okay. But, uh, so going on from that, obviously we're here today with, with this amazing aircraft and uh, as we were saying, I'm talking about early, it, it does have quite a, um, a history, a global history, I think we should say. It, it does. When I was... Um, building it and it took me 16 years and two weeks to build so it was no overnight project I was working at the same time I, I always knew that it could travel it was a traveling machine and towards the last few years of flying uh, a hangar colleague mentioned that he wanted to emigrate to Australia and he had an RV8 and he, a former commercial pilot, he and his wife wanted to go down but not on their own and they said to us would we like to go down with them? And I thought for probably a microsecond, and I thought, yeah, that would be fun. So the last couple of years that I was flying commercially, I looked at, and I was flying down to Australia, I looked at the routes and where we could get fuel and how you did it, and I thought, yeah, we, we could do this. And Linda and I had started travelling a little bit, like everybody. We went to Bembridge on the Isle of Wight for a cup of tea. Hey, wow, we can go almost foreign. And then we went to France, Le Touquet, we went to Granville, and then we went to Malta. And I'm thinking, you know, this aeroplane does travel quite well, and we quite like it. So this is, this is something that we can do. Well, his plans changed. Our friends plans changed and they weren't going to emigrate but we'd retired and we said hey how about we still do this trip and my mother sadly passed away but her legacy gave us the financial backing to be able to do it and we said these are our healthiest years retirement years let's go and do it and off we set yeah and a year later, we'd been down to Australia and almost around the world, but not quite. And we get, got back to the UK and a, a year and a day after we left. So that was the first trip, which we could bore you. But the second trip was more interesting, uh, which was four years later. Some friends that we'd met who had also flown extensively had been down to Ushuaia in the southern tip of South America. And it just piqued our interest. It's yeah. not a place we'd ever been to before, obviously. Mm -hmm. So what did we do? We set off for Ushuaia. <laughs> <laughs> Via the States and, and many stops in... We were trying to state bag 
in the states and i i think we got up to about 35 yeah 40. 35 to 40 Gee, states which isn't bad with the airplane um and then we we set off from brownville at, what was it in texas the, in texas to go down and circumnavigate south america which I have to say it was, was scary at times. <laughs> it, it, it was interesting. If, if I can just say, when we were flying around the US, the US is huge. And, and we did fly from coast to coast and we went to various air shows. We flew into Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and an air show in um, Copper State in Colorado, the Copper State Fly In. And Canab. And Canab with all the, all the, all the Canard aircraft. A lot of the American people were saying, or US people were saying, you know, you get to Mexico and it's a bit dodgy, but you go further than that, you know, and I'd, I'd really watch out, you know. And we'd heard that Peru was the most unfriendly general aviation country in the world. Well, we, we can stand here on record and say the Peruvians were just amazing. And we didn't have a single issue with this air with people or authorities or anything all the way down to Ushuaia yeah. and back and I have to say it was an amazing trip meeting amazing people on the way um, just great so is it 20 I think it was 23 countries I think it's you on, sort that, of visited on that on one that, on that one, one. yes um, but you had issues uh, so I hear uh, with Japan that was the the first on the first trip yeah um Yes, they are not particularly GA friendly, and because we're not a um, we're we're a um, what's the word home built home built um, self built self built mm. um, they'll only let production aircraft come in. They deem us unsafe, and unfortunately, there had been a couple of accidents, and they were both British planes <laughs> home built. Well, one was one was, one was a home built, and one was a, a Piper Cub. Yeah, you might you might know um, the story of, and they and they just said there's there's no paperwork that will allow you to come in. Well, subsequently, um, there's a gentleman called Colin Hales. I don't know if you know know about Colin. Um, he's he's worthy of, of an interview as well. He's quite a character, but he had an accident. But he had a Japanese gentleman helping him, and they found the paperwork that would allow us to go in. But at the time, it was they had the tsunami, and we were due to go into Sendai if we could get in. This is back in, if I can say, 2011. Yes, it was not the time to push to let us in. Yeah. So we we ended up by going as far as Taiwan, taking the the, the plane to bits, putting it in a container, shipping wow. it across to Vancouver, and carrying on from Vancouver. Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklands Aircraft Factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren Automotive Cars, the Brooklands Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932 857 381 that's 01932 857 381
little series there, Nev. You've done very well. It was fascinating, wasn't it? What a fascinating couple they are. Um, and um, gosh, some of the challenges that they've had. Um, the next two parts are even more challenging, let me tell you. Uh, so we'll be playing those out uh, next week and the week after. But uh, really interesting to uh, listen to what Patrick and Linda had to say. And they're very modest about it all. Did you notice? You know, they, they're, they're treating it as it's entirely normal to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Captain, Captain uh, Cruz says, Don't a Patagonia in that shoebox? Blimey. <laughs> I have to say, as, as someone who has sat in the the long easy and f and sat behind someone who's flying it they're they're not too bad i'm not right i'm not going to say they're the most spacious aircraft in the world but they're because of the canopy it it does you know it feels a lot more roomier and spacious than it actually um than it actually is so oh, okay yeah i'll give you that <laughs> yeah looking forward to those uh next week nev looking forward to those a lot yeah uh so Next up on the show, then, it's our military segment. And uh, if uh, I know Armando's not with us yet, hopefully he'll be here soon. But if all the team's ready, <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. hit the button. Black up, buggies This first military story comes to us from the drive.com. It's a little bit of a update on the CV-22 Osprey fleet. The Air Force this last Wednesday grounded its entire fleet of Ospreys over some safety concerns while the Navy and the Marine Corps are continuing to fly their versions. Now, the program of record for each variant, that is the, uh, the congressionally approved program for this airplane, uh, totals 360 airplanes for the Marine Corps. 48 for the Navy and uh, 56 for the U.S. Air Force. Of course, not all of those have been delivered yet. As we spoke a couple months ago, the Navy is, is just now ordering theirs. Now, all of these airframes largely share the same engines and associated primary systems. Um, now, there is a uh, program office spokesperson that said that they continue to communicate and collaborate with all V-22 customers, including their allied partners, and that the safety of the pilots and the air crews are their number one priority. And allied partners are talking about Japan, which also flies the Osprey. Now the NAVAIR review comes in the wake of a decision by the Air Force Special Operations Command on the 16th of August to ground its 52 CB-22 Ospreys, uh, according to Lieutenant Colonel Rebecca Hayes, uh, that is, quote, due to an increased number of safety incidents. Uh, since 2017, there have been four incidents involving hard clutch engagements during flight, with the last two occurring in just the last uh, six weeks or so. And the quote continues that when that happens, the aircraft by design transfers all power to the opposite engine. That allows the Osprey, as we've talked about on the show, to continue flying using just one engine. But sometimes the clutch re-engages. This creates a high torque transfer back to the original engine, which at that point uh, forces the pilots to immediately land the aircraft. Now, the Air Force does not know why this is happening. The Marines, on the other hand, have known about this clutch issue for years. 
There's another quote saying that the hard clutch issue has been known to the Marine Corps since 2010, and as such, we have trained our pilots to react with the appropriate emergency control measures should the issue arise during flight. That's according to a Marine Corps statement. It is worth noting that the CB-22 Osprey variants flown by the Air Force differ a little bit from the ones flown by the Navy and the Marines. In addition, the spokesperson pointed out that their operating environments and mission profiles are a little bit different than the Air Force Special Operations as well. Now, earlier this week, the Marines ruled that MV-22 crash in Norway on March 18th that was actually caused by pilot error. A quote from uh, the Marine Corps says that the analysis of recovered aircraft data shows that the aircraft, while maneuvering within a valley, made a left turn at 68 degrees angle of bank, followed by an overcorrected maneuver with a right turn in excess of 80 degrees from which the aircraft could not recover. They added that the Osprey is only rated to a bank of a maximum of 60 degrees. Now it is not known how long the Air Force CV-22 grounding will last or whether uh, NAVAIR will institute a, uh, a grounding for the Navy and the Marines. So we'll keep an eye out on this story and we'll update you as we get more information. I mean, I, they 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 still blow my mind. The Osprey as a as a a feat of engineering. I I, I just can't get my head around them at all. <laughs> yes, it, the the issues that they obviously that they've got at the moment is is worrying. I mean, we have them in the UK. We obviously mm. have them. Um, they fly uh, just this week, actually, in, in in the evenings. They've been flying over where me and Matt are here in the east of England, um, normally um, in pairs. And they're the uh, ones at Mildenhall, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. You're talking um, about there, yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite well. I mean, having seen them and up closer and been on board the Osprey, lucky enough, when uh, Armando was based here, I got the chance to go on board one. And seeing them inside, they, you know, you, you, you expect this grandeur of, of fantastic perfection inside the air, but it, it is, it's not. Not not by a long stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's built to do the job. It's built to do what it's it's you know what it's designed to do, and it, it's you know it's a, it's a working machine. But um, it, there's hope that they sort or get these issues and that sorted out with the Osprey fairly soon. I mean, it's as you say, it's it's a it's a an astounding bit of kit. Uh, in fact, these are the ones at Milden Hall um, that uh, Mr. Warner has just. Uh, sent to me he does seem to like the challenge of uh, not knowing what's coming and finding a photograph from his archive uh, yes. for, me, for me to pop up but as i say these are the actual ospreys at um at Mildor. probably one one or two of them of which our very own armando has actually flown yeah. um in fact you might have even been on one on one of these as well Quite to be possibly. fair yeah with one Indeed. of those hideous kc10s in the background oh dear but as I say, I mean, as you say, how, whether you love or hate, it's an astounding aircraft, and yeah. let's, let's hope they get it sorted. So the next story uh, comes to us from businessinsider.com, and uh, we're heading off to uh, Poland for this one. On the 27th of July, just last month, Poland signed one of the largest arms deals ever for more m artillery, tanks, and aircraft to modernize its military amid heightened tensions that we currently have here in Europe. At Warsaw's $14.5 billion deal with South Korea, the largest ever for South Korea's defense industry, includes 1,000 K2 Black Panther tanks, uh, nearly 700 K9 
self-propelled howitzers and 48 F-50 or FA-50 light combat aircraft. The size of the contract and Warsaw's decision to buy from an emerging military exporter also reflects thinking influenced by the fraught state of European geopolitics. Quickly modernising the Polish Air Force is a priority for Warsaw, which is seeking to replace its 23 MiG-29s and 18 Su-22s, ageing Soviet-designed multi-role aircraft that are increasingly hard to maintain. Poland already fields 36 US-made F-16s and it ordered 32 F-35A stealth jets from the US back in 2020, but it's only one of three NATO countries with MiG-29s and the only European country that still flies the Su-22. The 48 FA-50s from South Korea will help Warsaw advance that modernization effort and the FA-50 is a a capable light combat aircraft can reach supersonic speeds of Mach 1.5 and carry a variety of bombs and air-to-air and air-to-ground missiles. Poland will receive the enhanced Block 20 model that is compatible with NATO systems, according to Blazak. However, Poland chose the uh, the FA-50s for not only its combat capability, but also the speed with which one could be acquired. Warsaw also looked at aircraft, including the F-16s, but none could be delivered fast enough. A pilot who's been trained on the FA-50 only needs a few hours to start flying the F-16 on his own. Uh, They told the Defence Ministry, the cost of training as such is much lower and thus we will not need to train more pilots. Interesting. So we're gearing up here in, uh, in, uh, in in Europe anyway. Well, Poland is anyway. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the, the, this particular picture, by the way, that Jonathan has sent, it says the Koreans took the T-50s to display in Poland after Riyadh, probably to seal the deal on the attack version. Uh, the FA-50s, yeah, not, it's not a bad move. Yeah, the FA-50s is basically a grey version of these. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Nev, you've got the next story from uh, Avweb. Yeah, it's on the avweb.com. It says that the Air Force is having a look at how it might use eVTOLs and is starting to sign with who's best for the flight deck. It's hired Massachusetts consulting company Aptima to figure out what an Air Force eVTOL pilot might look like. The learnability study will help us not only understand the baseline pilot skills and competencies needed for proficient eVTOL flight, but also the impact of automation on pilot performance, said Samantha Emerson, who's in charge of training, learning and readiness. Uh, She's a readiness scientist at Aptima. Uh, One of the biggest challenges for establishing a training regime is that the eVTOLs that have emerged so far have a wide range of automation. More experienced pilots tend to struggle at filling the seat in a highly automated platform. Training them to fly vehicles that fly themselves might require some dumbing down, even though a more experienced pilot may possess greater ability in controlling aircraft. Not all of those skills may be useful or even designed in, uh, desired in platforms with more automation and augmentation, Emerson said. In fact, it may require an unlearning and retraining of behaviours to prevent interference or conflict with automated operations. That's a very good point, isn't it? Hadn't thought about that. If you're going into a very, you know, highly automated environment, mm. um, some might say you've almost got to uh, 
as you say, as they said, un- unlearn some of those yeah. manual handling skills and almost start from scratch. And I'm, I'm wondering whether people that transition from perhaps the Boeing 737 to the A320, uh, be interesting to talk to some people that did that to, to see how uh, how they were able to adjust uh, the, the way that they operate the aircraft from sort a, of like almost trust the machines almost yeah 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 hmm. don't know uh, funny one isn't it um mando has got uh, the last story for us in the military segment for this week from airforcemag.com and uh, it's all about the f-16s this last military story is from the airforcemagazine.com with certain upgrades f-16s are able to serve as a numbers builder in combat air forces until the 2040s. And it's not necessary to launch its successor program yet, according to officials at an industry conference conference this week. Colonel Tim Bailey, the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center's F-16 program manager, said that they anticipate hundreds of F-16s in active service for some decades to come. Now, Brigadier General Dale White, the program executive officer for fighters and advanced aircraft, said that much of the recent Service life extension program work on the F-16 has brought years of additional life for this type, and he's gotten no instructions to start working on its successor, which the Air Force has dubbed the MRF or the MRX, which is a future multi-role fighter. White also said that there's no requirement that has been passed to the Air Force to evaluate the Boeing T-7 as the possible successor platform to the F-16. Now, the MRF first showed up in planning documents in 2021 that indicated that the Air Force was looking to an F-16 successor in the mid-2030s. These documents uh, suggested that the aircraft sought would not be intended as an all-up, very stealthy jet, but what Chief of Staff General C.Q. Brown characterized as a fifth-gen minus fighter, for which affordability and not necessarily a high level of survivability would be a key requirement. I wonder what the pilots think about that. Former head of Air Combat Command, retired General uh, General Mike Holmes, suggested that an armed version of the Boeing T-7 trainer could be adapted to such a role and also serve as an export fighter for partner countries lacking the funds or the expertise to operate and maintain a more complex aircraft. So based on this recent development, it looks like the F-16 has a nice long future ahead of it, at least for the next two or three decades. Love it. Which is which is amazing when you think the F sixteen um, first flew before me and you were even thought of, Matt. <laughs> back in nineteen seventy four, the uh, first flight of the F sixteen. What were you doing uh, then, Nev? In nineteen seventy four, we were probably working for ATV at that point, weren't you? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not that old. Oh. Uh, I was in the, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, uh, I was in the, uh, oh, sorry, the second year at uh, grammar school. Uh, yes, so I would have been uh, 13 years old then. Wow, love that. How yeah. cool is that? I'll tell you what, it's no surprise they've got plenty of these F-16s still hanging about because uh, currently sitting up to just a couple of years ago, they'd built 4,604 of these. Mm. Oh, just a handful then. Uh, quite a popular <laughs> popular jet. But popular no, thanks jet, for that, Armando, yeah. as always. Mm. And... Uh, well, we're going to move on to the next part of the show. We're going to mention a couple of things before we move on to the caption. This first one uh, is very important. That, um, as you will all know, it was my birthday a few weeks back, and I had a fundraiser set up on my Facebook page uh, for people to uh, to 
to give a few quid to for the air ambulance here based in the UK, the UK Air Ambulance, a charity very, very important to me and also very important to a lot of people here in the UK. And it's not a, a, um, a particular part of our emergency services that's funded by well by the government it's funded purely by donations and charitable donations from uh, companies and uh, people like us so that's why i chose that i've literally got three hours left to go on the uh, on the donation before it closes and it's currently and i set a bar of 150 pounds to raise for the charity it's currently sitting at 300 pounds double what Wait, i set the well uh, thing so well done i want to say Big thanks to everyone who donated from the show to uh, to that uh, you know through the page on there. Big thanks to there's a lot of listeners on there who did donate to the show. It's still live, like I said, for three more hours. It's still live on Facebook. The link, if you want to donate, is still on our on our uh, Facebook page. If you go on our Plain Talking UK Facebook page, the link is still there. You can donate through PayPal. It's very easy. Um, but no, I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone who donated to that uh, air ambulance charity for me uh, on behalf of my birthday. So thank you, everyone. Uh, Nev, you've got some important information about a book, haven't you? Yes. Um, well, you know, we like to do these uh, big multi-part interviews. Well, we have secured another one, um, which uh, our good friend Nick Anderson is going to assist me with uh, this week on Wednesday when we shoot it. And we'll be then playing that out over a number of weeks um it's going to be a fascinating story um this is all about chris Burwell. Uh, burwell i'm sorry chris burwell um which charts one man's career in aviation from joining the raf in 1969 aged 18 to having responsibility for training pilots for the world's major airlines nearly 50 years later. Uh, he's seen service in the Falklands uh, on detachments to Belize as well. Uh, he's ejected from a Harrier GR3. So he's got the uh, got the tie, the Martin <laughs> Baker tie. Um, and uh, after 30 years of service, uh, he spent 12 years with Cobham, managing their Teesside base and flying the Falcon 20 on operational training for the military and the King Air 200 on international flight calibration tasks. Um, it's going to be a fascinating uh, interview with Nick. Um, so we'll be shooting that on Wednesday and then we'll let you know when we're going to play it out and we'll make it a special uh, item on our YouTube channel anyway. But uh, look, we're looking forward to doing that and bringing that to you. Oh, it's all getting exciting, isn't it? We've got lots lots planned uh, for the rest of the year, haven't we? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. We have. Time for our caption this competition. Well, not competition, we'll caption this. Our uh, bit, of fun. Little bit of fun that we do, yeah, just for fun every week on our Facebook page. So this week on Wednesday, I posted a picture on our Facebook page. Bit of a topical picture this week. It's uh, fairly fresh. Only just been in the news over the last uh, few days. And uh, it's regarding a certain, is it a Qatar Airways, isn't it, Nev? Um, aircraft that's had a had a slight um, prang? Uh, yes, a bit of a, a piercing, I, I would say, <laughs> through the uh, through the wing there. Yeah, on in fact, right on the uh, leading edge part of the wing. 
It's a bit scary, really, isn't it? Because yeah. there's, you know, there is fuel in those wings somewhere. <laughs> there is. <laughs> That's yeah. the bit that makes me a bit super nervous yeah. about that. The light's still working, though. Um, so yeah, so light, yeah. yeah, so we, so we seem to have a. Um, I'll try to think the best way to describe it. So it's probably what sort of like towards the end of the the wing, we have um, a lamppost firmly uh, embedded. Uh, as in, like, literally right through. I mean, it's literally gone into and then round it, hasn't it? It's very much got hold of the lamppost. Um, yeah. And the, the good news is that the floodlight is still working that, that it's attached to. So uh, that's progress. So the whole thing is well illuminated. So uh, that is a 777. <laughs> it's one of Qatar's 777 freighters, which has happened to. Uh, probably good, actually, because if you're a passenger watching that out the window, you'd yeah. be a little bit... Um, yeah, scared, yeah. I think is the word. So we had yeah. some great captions in this week it was a very popular one again this week so we're going to kick things off nev go on kick things off with james this is i think this is one of the best ones out there actually um don't want to spoil it for everybody else but he says james says in terms of fractions it nearly took a guitar off the wing <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness oh on, this, that was, uh, ray says nah don't worry about it that'll buff out mate the buff out ones always come out yeah it's always a winner uh, Chris says, I don't understand. Every time we give power, we just go in circles. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jake says, after air racing got cancelled this week, Qatar started uh, practising for next year, but sadly their pylon hits are worth more than a three-second penalty. <laughs> Stuart says, Qatar Airways becomes the next airline to embrace diversity and inclusivity with their aircraft sporting new wing piercings and an orcs tattoo on the tail. <laughs> uh, Stuart uh, again says, look guys, we need to stop damaging these wide bodies, otherwise we might need to give in to Airbus and buy some A350s. Very good point. <laughs> and just carrying on that, that theme, Stuart also says, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that, it'll buff out. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> uh, Chris says, uh, would, you like the new, uh, would you like the new wings on a stick or in the quiche for dinner? <laughs> And James says, I think I'll just shave a bit off the sides. My hair, not the in plain. <laughs> Very good. Uh, James also says, my new book title, X Marks the Spot, Creating the World's Most Expensive X. <laughs> good point. Uh, Neil says, Qatar Airways now offer pole dancing in business class. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Classy. Elizabeth says, when the maps haven't been updated... Turn right at the crossroads. <laughs> uh, John says Qatar Airways have launched an official complaint with Birmingham Airport after the Commonwealth Games competitors are allowed to practice the javelin <laughs> on the airport. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right, I'll give him that one. I think that's my favourite so far. Uh, Sean says, when I said put it on a stand. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, Bob says. Bicycle, or bicycle designer hired by Airbus adds kickstand to wing for stability. Always a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack says Team Boeing a little too eager to take pole position at the Qatar. Oh. <laughs> uh, Bill says I didn't. I didn't know Qatar was a Polish airline. Oh my word! They're, they're just getting better. Uh, Mark says yes. We have another paint problem with our planes. Oh. Very, very current. See, see what they did there. Yeah. Uh, Gordon says Qatar Airways now testing pop-out hard-standing lighting for rough field operations. 
Ben actually included a meme with this one that was uh, I, I, it's from Airplane. This picture, I'm not really sure, but anyway, it yeah, says uh, with a meme included, it says, "I missed it by this much." This much. Uh, Stuart says, "I'm sorry, you can't park here, mate." Said the parking enforcement officer. It's going to be a fifty-pound fine to release it. <laughs> be a bit more than that, I think. <laughs> ESP uh, James says ESPN presents Demolition Derby Heavy Long Haul Edition Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Be there. <laughs> I love that. Simon says uh, Qatar trying pole dancing. Oh, it's a popular, popular one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Daryl says a bit of. <laughs> bit of black nasty tape it'll be fine right that's like gaffer tape right is that what he means yeah, by that yeah mend yeah. it if you can't mend it with gaffer tape throw it away <laughs> and finally chris says who gave the order to extend the wing <laughs> the space right. yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the yeah. reference wasted on me i'm afraid uh, <laughs> now if we have a quick look into the world of the chat room because obviously the chat room does like to do a little quick mention in there uh now Richard Adams, Qatar won't be asking for pole position at the gate again. <laughs> uh, Mark on WhatsApp is saying, who needs winglets anyway? Cat Ridiculous Wits uh, says, thinking about getting my wing pierced. Oh my God. <laughs> Mark's also added, will this help fold it up? Will this help it to fold up before the gate? Uh, Mike has got an amusing one, uh, Nev, in the uh, chat room as well, hasn't he? Yes, he says, I can hear the ground marshal saying, uh, now waving him on, come on, come on, a little more. Whoops. <laughs> Bang. Yeah. Uh, however you dress it up, it looks expensive. I think that's that's the where, yeah. what we're going to learn with yeah. that. So. It does ponder the question how they're going to, like, that's, I don't expect that's a simple repair. I wouldn't have thought that's a simple repair anyway. No, no, I suspect not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not something we've got to worry about, I suppose, really. That's that's above our pay grade, that. I no, think. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget to check out our Facebook page. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, have a look on Facebook, search us on there. And uh, on a Wednesday, all being well, I'll post another uh, picture on there for you all to leave your witty funny comments on so uh yeah it's getting a popular little part of the uh, show that so thank you everyone who uh chipped in this week indeed uh with through the rest of the social media while you're there please carlos yeah social media links let's go then this facebook twitter and instagram search on the social medias for plain talking uk our whatsapp number if you want to send us a picture a video a message a voice message uh plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six is that whatsapp number our email address if you don't already know it's podcast at plain talking uk.com and our website all the w's dot plain talking uk.com on there you'll find links to our store where you can purchase uh, a ptuk t-shirt yes you can get your very own beautiful cotton 100% cotton uh, ptuk t-shirt with the embroidered logo on the front and print on the back it looks um awesome and hopefully by monday the new military mugs should be yes you can also well. get yes. yourselves on the store our ptuk mugs and hopefully as matt said the military mugs will be on there next week as well for you to purchase as well on the website you'll find the links to amazon if you do your shopping through amazon just click on the link doesn't cost you a 
penny. Uh, but it does give us a small referral fee if you do shopping on Amazon. And also the links are on our website if you want to become a Patreon of the show or a PayPal donator of the show. You can find the links on there and join our awesome <clears throat> awesome group of people who donate to the show and, and basically keep us on air every week because that's what you do is keep us on air every week uh, so there all the patreon and uh, all the website bits on there give us a look we'd love to saw uh, we'll love to hear from you send absolutely. us some feedback we want to hear from you absolutely so uh, before we wrap up the show this week uh, nev you've got um, some important information haven't you yeah, a couple of bits of info. Um, the Jersey Air Show that Carl and I are going to is on um, the 8th of September. And uh, we were just talking with the organisers this week about what we can do with the media side of things there. So we're very look much looking forward to that. It's going to be a great show. I just hope the weather holds. Um, next week, however, I will not be on the show um, with good reason. I hope you'll agree. Um, I'm going to the funeral of our dear friend Ivor MacDonald, whose funeral takes place on Friday the 26th of August. Uh, joining me there will be Nick Anderson as well. Um, and Kirsty, his wife, has asked me to say that if anybody else would like to attend, um, the funeral is in the northwest uh, of England, just on the Welsh border, in fact. Um, if you would like to attend, please send me a email directly and I will send the address and information to you. So send it to me personally, nev at plaintalkinguk.com. That's nev at plaintalkinguk.com and if you can make it she has said that you would be most welcome for the funeral itself and a celebration of his life afterwards uh, it's a very sad event but um, I'm looking forward to it in the sense that uh, it'll be a chance for the family to celebrate his fantastic life so um, that will be next Friday and thank you for representing us, Nev, as well. Much appreciated and sort of taking the time to do that. As you say, it's, it, it is a sad occasion, but uh, I, I, think, um, I think it's going to be a, an incredible turnout and I think that'll mean a huge amount to the family because they probably don't know a lot about that side of his life, do they, where he's interacting with us weirdos. Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and he, he was such a character, not just in our world, but you know, in in every person that he touched, and people that he worked with, and I'm just looking at some of the um, the comments on the Facebook page. You know, everyone that's been involved with him or had interaction with him at work or or social. Um, he was just the same guy, and it's terribly sad. It is, um, but I'm pleased to be able to be going uh, next week. Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Man. Yeah. So that is where we're going to start to wrap up episode 423 of the show. We're going to do, as we've got a little bit of time, going to do a quick round robin to see what uh, all the team are doing next week. Obviously, Nev, uh, you're obviously uh, you're not, not, going to, not going to be here next Friday, but have you got any uh, plans for flying around Europe next week? Uh, no flying. Um, what? For a change, but I shall be <laughs> flying around in the, uh, the car uh, covering an awful lot of mileage next week i'm going down to cornwall uh to the eden project um to see some stuff that's going on down there i'm then going up to uh bath area we're then doing the interview with chris burwell in the cotswolds on wednesday that i'm driving all the way up the m6 to 
Chester and Lancaster and then finally ending the week on Friday going across the Welsh border to Ivor's funeral. My so goodness. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, much driving um, and um, it'd be a nice change from flying actually in some respect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, there we are. That's my plan. Indeed. And Matt, what uh, what are you up to next week? Any any exciting? Well, I sort of cut, I won't go over it again, really, because I sort of went over it in sort of great detail, um, um, sort of at the start of the show. But yeah, I've got a little bit of a holiday uh, to look forward to. Very much looking forward to having a few days off. It is the first time that I've had some time off uh, since um, I, I want to. Uh, well, in fact, the last time I had some time off was for our four hundredth. So that gives you an are idea. Are you going to totally of... time off then? Are you going to literally airplane mode? Uh, no, no, don't be ridiculous. I have, I do have some things I need uh, to do, sadly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice to have a few days off. As I say, we're not going very far. We're just going up the road um, as far as we're concerned, um, you know, but it, it's going to be nice to just sort of chill out and, you know, just have Well, the good fun. news is, Matt, for you next week, it's going to be still sunny, but not ridiculous. Yes, I am quite excited about that. It has to be said. (laughs) I am very, very excited about that. Uh, Now, uh, if you go to the our little WhatsApp group, by the way, Carlos, uh, there's a message from Armando in there, and I'm just frantically trying to download the pictures to be able to uh, share them with with our audience. Um, Oh yes. There are, there, there are some details. So although Mondo, Armando's not here, he has got... I say he is working, but there is also a very good reason. Yeah. Uh, he's been up to something, hasn't he? Yeah, Armando is... Um, well, he's obviously been busy today flying. Uh, he was due to come and join us on the show uh, for the later half of the show. Uh, but he's unfortunately had, uh, 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 well, a few issues with bag delays and stuff and uh, and uh, delays at Charlotte. So he can't join us. But uh, he does have a bit of news for our little community here on the show. And that is that uh, Armando has uh, finally signed the sign on the dotted line and is now the proud owner of his very own... Yes, you heard me right. His very own aircraft over it at home. For those of you watching on YouTube World, you'll see the picture on the screen. Uh, for those of you who want to see the aircraft that Armando is now the proud owner of. And uh, also, the other bit of news is, is that uh, Megan, uh, the glorious uh, Mrs. Armando, is uh, going to be <laughs> learning to fly as well. Oh, wow. Quite exciting. I love that. I think I think my favourite picture is this. So this is this is what he came home to. Um, by the way, when he got, oh, the, when he got back, the last yes. picture. Uh, this is just absolutely adorable. I love this picture. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think some people are excited about this coming home. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I can't wait to hear all about that. I'm sure we'll have all the details very very soon on yeah. that. Amanda um, will fill us in on all the. All the interesting bits yeah. next week. So, what about you then, Carlos? What have you What have you got up your sleeve? I mean, obviously, it was the the birthday bash uh, Saturday just gone. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really good. I really had a really good night. A massive thanks again, and I'll say this on air again. A massive thanks, especially to uh, not just uh, Neil, who done a fantastic job, mm. but also to that person pushing the buttons in the PTUK studios now, because Matt done a. St- 
sterling job of all the graphics at the party last weekend. It was a fantastic night. So big thanks to you. It was man. a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. I tell lot. you what, I, I, your wife is absolutely right. We should be completely marketing that as a as a thing. Oh, I know. Like, with all the back projections and and, and the cameras and you know all that kind of all very all very good fun. Anyway, anyone would have thought it's I like, will. Uh, Monday, I'm off to Somerset here in the UK. Oh, I'm off blimey. to cider country, although I won't be drinking any cider because I've got to drive a vehicle with a trailer oh, on dear. back from Somerset on Monday. So it'll be a long day for me on Monday. Because as you all know, all our listeners will know, me and Matt live in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Well, that. maybe I can meet you for a coffee somewhere in Somerset then because I shall be heading in that sort of direction on the way to Cornwall on Monday. So, Ooh. Ooh. Let's see if your timing, see if you can see your location the, going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sounds like a sounds like a plan. Even if it's only a quick coffee and a, and a sticky yes. bun or something. Yes. Right, shall we wrap up then? Yep, we're going to say a big thanks to all our YouTube family this evening for joining us on the show. Thank you to everyone who's took time out of their Fridays to watch us tonight on the YouTube stream. And also a massive thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast each week. Thank you very much to all you guys and girls out there who download us every week. And also thank you for if you left a review on our page on the iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean page, uh, thank you to you for leaving a review. And if you haven't done and you've got five minutes spare, just give us a little, little five-star review. That would be lovely. Uh, Richard so Adam says forget- you can fit a lot of cider in that trailer, by the way. <laughs> oh, you, the trailer you definitely can. It's full of cold food, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Right, I'll give it okay. A go. So that's about all we've got time for then. So thanks again to everyone. Thanks to Nev. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Armando. And thanks to John, our producer, John, for all the work in the background, as always, this week on the show. Don't forget to tune in next Friday to the show, episode 424. We'll be back on air 7 o'clock next Friday. So from me, Carlos, here at home, from Matt in the Master Suite PTUK studios, and from Nev in his studio at home. Take care. Have a great weekend and see you next week. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye.